Welcome. God promises eternal life to his people. But so often, when we look at the state of the world, we could have an opposite impression. So often, the wealthy people, the powerful people in this world, are cruel and evil people. And often, God's people are poor and needy and dependent upon him. That's the subject that's discussed by our psalm for today, Psalm 49. My name is Keith Simons and I'm a Bible teacher from England. I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the Psalms. So let's turn to Psalm 49. And the first thing we see with Psalm 49 is like so many of the others, it was designed for the worship of God at the temple, God's house in Jerusalem. Its ancient heading reads, to the chief musician, that's the leader of the musicians at the temple, a psalm for the sons of Korah, a family which had as their special responsibility the praise and worship of God. The author of the psalm then continues in verse 1. Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. So he had a message, a message from God. It was not just a message for Israel's people, it was for all ye inhabitants of the world. People from every nation needed to hear this message. The phrase give ear means about the same as hear. He's emphasising strongly he is going to declare something that's important. Verse 2. Both low and high, rich and poor, together. So this message is for people who are low and high. That is in positions of high authority, in the distinguished and important families of the land, and people whose rank in life is low, just the ordinary working people. They all needed to hear this message, whether they were rich people or whether they were poor people. This message was for them. And it was and is a message of great wisdom. My mouth, he says in verse 3, shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. So this was not just words that he was speaking. This was the meditation of his heart. This was something that the author of the psalm had given deep thought to. And he declared it to be a truly wise message, but a difficult message. Verse 4, I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. There's two things in this verse. Firstly, this, this message did not come from himself. He was inclining his ear. Incline means turn. To incline the ear means to listen to someone else. Who's he listening to? Well, he's listening to God. God has spoken this message to his heart, to his spirit, and he is now going to declare it 
or open that saying. It's a dark saying because it's like a puzzle, like a riddle. It's something difficult, but he is going to open it. He is going to reveal this thing that God has spoken to him, and he's going to reveal it in in song. He's going to sing it with his harp. And we can imagine how the musicians in the temple joined to sing this psalm upon the harp and to teach the people the lesson that this psalm has. Verse 5. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? In other words, why should I fear? Why should I be afraid when I have great trouble? Well, when is he going to have this great trouble? When the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about. Iniquity means sin or evil deeds. Compass me about means will surround me. So sin is going to surround him. Whose sin is this? Whose evil deeds is it that are going to surround him and cause him that great trouble? Well, the King James Bible says, the iniquity of my heels. Other people have suggested when they've looked at the Hebrew, the wording might be better, the iniquity at my heels. Let me explain to you the difference. If this is the iniquity of my heels, then the time of trouble that he's talking about is the time when he is punished for his own sin. When, as we might say, his own sin catches up with him. If you think about a cruel wild animal, say a lion, something really fierce like that, and it's chasing after a sheep or a deer or a smaller animal, it doesn't have to catch up entirely with that smaller animal in order to kill it. No, it only needs to catch that animal by the heel. And if it just simply manages to catch the heel, the back of the foot of the animal that is running away from it. It can then grab onto the heel, turn the animal over and then attack it and kill it. That's the description here. So if it's the iniquity of my heels, it's my own sin, then my sins have caught up with me. I'm suffering the punishment for my sins. But the Hebrew the original language of this psalm seems to suggest something different. The iniquity at my heels, the suggested wording uh, which we could follow, suggests that someone else is following him. Who is it who's following him, who in sin wants to surround him and cause him great trouble? Well, powerful and evil people. But the author of the psalm says that he shouldn't fear when this great trouble comes on him. Maybe he shouldn't fear the punishment for his own sins because he's turned to God and through Christ God has forgiven his sins. Or maybe he shouldn't fear their sins, the sins of those evil people who are causing such trouble for him because he trusts in God, because God will act powerfully on his behalf and because God will punish those evil people. From verse 6, he begins to describe why those powerful and evil people are, are, are in fact so weak. 
But first he describes them. Verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. So we're not talking here about wealthy people who are trying to do the right thing, who respect God, who try to use their money wisely and in a way that cares for society. We're talking about people who trust their wealth. They've made their money their God. They boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. They are proud that they have taken advantage of poorer people and weaker people. They are proud of their cruel acts because those cruel acts have brought them great wealth, great riches. But they should see, even those people, that their wealth can't really achieve what they want because, verse 7, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Suppose that wealthy man's brother is in danger or his best friend is in danger. Well, if robbers have taken away their best friend, well, then they could pay a ransom maybe to free that person because they have great wealth. But who can give to God a ransom? Who can redeem or rescue his brother when God's punishment is against his brother? There's no money that can pay for it. There is nothing that can do that. No one can pay God not to act against someone when God is making his judgment. And uh, verse 8 explains this a little further. It says, for the redemption of their soul is precious. The price of a soul is precious. And a person's inner life, that true life which continues after their death and which ceases not, which never ends, well, that's precious. It's precious that a person should go to heaven and not hell. The price of it is very great, but it's a price which those who trust in their wealth, verse 6, those who boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, also verse 6, cannot pay. Why would they want to pay that? Verse 9, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. They, they might want to rescue their brother from the grave, from death, from hell. They might want their brother, their best friend, to live forever. They can't do it. They cannot pay that price to God. All the riches they have accumulated, all the wealth that they have, cannot pay that price. That wealthy but evil man, he ought to see that his wealth cannot do these things. He ought to see the weakness of his own wealth. Verse 10, for he seeth that wise men die, likewise a fool and brutish person perish. <clears throat> In other words, that man knows that everyone must die. Even the wisest people, even the people who serve God, even the people who do what is right, the time comes for them to die. So, of course, in the same way, the fool and the brutish person, 
the person, a brutish person means a person who, who lives like an animal. He lives only to feed himself. He, these are people who live for their own pleasure, their own luxury, their own wealth. Well, they die too, just as wise people die, just as everyone else die. And when the fool or the brutish person, when the person who lives for himself dies, he leaves his wealth to others. They can see that their wealth is only for this world. However, however great they increase in value, if they gain the entire world, well, they cannot save their own soul. They cannot save their brother's soul. All their wealth at death has to pass to someone else. They see that. They know that. But verse 11, their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. So they see that everyone dies. They know that. Of course they know that. But they're thinking inwardly, well, if I've got to die, my family at least will inherit this wealth. My house, or in other words, my family, will continue forever. And the place where I live will be for generations. My family in future years and future centuries will benefit after it. And therefore they call their lands after their own names. They even call their estates. They say, this is the property of so-and-so and his heirs and successors forever. They declare that their land belongs to them forever, but they're foolish. Because, verse 12, man being in honour abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. Yes, for the moment in this life, those cruel and evil but successful people have honour. But that honour doesn't abide, it doesn't last. And just as as the animal's life dies in a moment of time, that's true for people as well. They're thinking foolishly that they can lay up wealth forever or, or that they can, they can protect themselves or their family by their wealth. Verse 13, this is their way, is their folly. It's a foolish thought. Yet their posterity approve their sayings. The people who come after them, their sons and their grandsons and the future members of their family, well, they think that this cruel, evil, wealthy parent was very wise. They approve of it. They don't turn from the evil deeds. They don't say, well, father met God's judgment for his evil deeds. Father is now dead. No, they approve of what their parent has done. They approve their sayings. And with that thought, the author of our psalm pauses with the word Selah. And then in verse 14, he describes what really happens to those cruel, evil people. Like sheep, he begins verse 14. What an amazing description for a powerful, cruel, evil person. That person has become like a sheep. But a sheep goes where other people tell it to go. 
A sheep is obedient, and if it's not obedient, the shepherd forces it to go where it doesn't want to go. Like sheep, says the psalmist. When is it that they become like sheep? Ah, like sheep, they are laid in the grave. It's not the sheep who are laid in the grave, of course. It's these powerful, cruel, evil people. And now they must go where they did not want to go. That now death has taken them away and their bodies are laid in the grave and their spirits go to their place of judgment and punishment. Who is their shepherd? Death shall feed on them, says the psalm. Um, that word feared, uh, it, it really means pasture in the Hebrew. It's saying uh, that death will, will be their guide from now on. Death will rule over them. Death will control them. Death will do what it wants to do with them. I suppose the King James Bible translators were thinking of the way that uh, a body decays in the grave as if death is feeding on it. But the Hebrew is thinking much more, well, death has become their shepherd. It's taken them away from this life. It's placed their bodies in the grave. It's led them down to hell. And the upright, the psalm continues, shall have dominion over them in the morning. Oh, now the author of our psalm looks ahead. He looks forward to the day, the morning of the day, when God's Messiah, God's King will rule. And he declares in that day, the upright, those who do what is right and good, God's people shall have the dominion in that day. God's people will be the rulers and they will rule in a way that is good and right, just as their Messiah, their King does. But what happens to those cruel, evil people in that day? And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. They're taken from the dwelling places that they thought they had for all generations, verse 11. And instead in the grave, their beauty is consumed, eaten away, destroyed. All that was good and attractive with them is destroyed utterly. But is it any different for wise people? Is it any different for people who do what is right? We've said in verse 10, wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish. Is it any different for God's people? They too die. They too are laid, their bodies in the grave. But the psalmist declares, verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Oh, if I serve God, if I am loyal to God, then the grave and death and hell cannot control my soul, my inner life. Yes, my body might be in the grave, but God will redeem or rescue my soul. He will rescue the life that is in me from the grave. He shall receive me. He should take me to be with him always. There is a place for God's people in heaven. There is eternal life for them. They will live always with God. God will live with them 
and they shall be his people. And with that thought, the psalmist pauses once again with the word Selah. And after Selah, our, our pause may be in the music. Uh, the author of the psalm explains the lesson that he wants us to learn from this psalm. Verse 16. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. So he's telling us not to be afraid when someone becomes rich. And we understand from the rest of the psalm, he means rich by cruel and evil means. When the glory, the greatness of his house, his family increases. He's made himself by these evil acts into a great person and his family are considered great and powerful people. But don't be afraid of that, says the author of our psalm, because, verse 17, when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. At his death, that powerful, wealthy person, so rich, so cruel, so evil, he will take nothing away with him. He can take nothing to the grave. He can take nothing at death. When his body descends into the grave, his glory, his greatness does not go with him. Verse 18, though while he lived, he blessed his soul. He spoke well of the life that was in him. He had great hopes for himself. And men will praise thee, when thou doest well to thyself. Isn't that true? When people prosper, when they become wealthy, people gather round to praise them, to tell them how well they're doing, to flatter them. They think that they can benefit from that wealth too if they can gain the pleasure, the approval of that cruel, evil, wealthy man. Oh, that man had so such great hopes for himself while he was alive, and everyone around him seemed to agree with him. But, verse 19, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Oh, just like the people who lived before him, he's going to go to death and to his grave and to the punishment of God. And if they he suffers a punishment of God, just like his father's. If God's judgment is against him, then he, like them, they shall never see light. The light of God, the light of heaven will be hidden from them in that place of punishment. How terrible. Because you see, verse 20, man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. A man who acquires honour by cruel and evil acts. A man who doesn't learn wisdom, like the wisdom of this psalm. He doesn't understand the way he should live. He chooses not to understand what God wants to teach him. And he's made himself like the beasts that perish. His life, his glory, his success, his greatness is only in this life and shall not continue. But the person who serves God, the person who learns the wisdom that God teaches, the person who turns away from his sins and lives in the way that God approves of, God has a wonderful promise for that person. Verse 15 again. 
but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. In a moment, I shall read you the whole psalm. Um, but before I do, let me give you my email address, 333kjv at gmail.com. I'm hoping you'll send me a brief email. Tell me what part of the world you're in and tell me how many of these talks you've heard so far. There's plenty out there, uh, 50 talks, which you can find on the Psalms which I've done. So please do write to me, 333kjv at gmail.com. Now let me, read, let me read to you the whole of Psalm 49. To the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah. Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever, and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise a fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is, that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honour abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Selah. Be thou not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers, they shall never see light. Man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish.